Welcome to the final episode of Vista Mall 2021 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as always is a Canadian who relies on the power of belief to dupe people in his life, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's the end of an era. Sorry, end of an era as we are finally wrapping up this season. And I'm I'm torn about this season, I'll be honest. I know we're going to get into this, but it was very much a season of two halves. I will say it was better overall than Renaissance. <laughs> well, yeah, but that is that's not a high bar. <laughs> no, but I'm just I'm just grateful that between the when you think about all of the reality TV seasons that have aired in the past year during COVID, this this is one of the better products that have come out. <laughs> yeah. What have you been up to this week? Anything interesting? A lot of Amazing Race Australian blogging. I wrapped up Amazing Race Australia 2, believe it or not. I did. I think I did three episodes in the span of two weeks, maybe even less than two weeks. Yeah, I think you you had your own finale week, didn't you? Yeah, I can't even think of the last time I've done three Amazing Race Historian blogs. It's different when you know you're not going to be watching any current seasons, regardless of whether or not there's COVID going on. So it makes it that much easier to focus on it. Plus the fact I'm not doing 80-hour work weeks for, or even 60 or 55-hour work weeks for the first time in probably over a year. <laughs> Where that isn't happening, so where I'm limiting myself to a regular work week, so lots of lots of different opportunities are, are coming up now. So you mean to tell me you are not keeping up with Amazing Race Australia 5? It's been much more fun to read about the Amazing Race Australia 5 and see the reactions to it than it is to... I think that's way more enjoyable than I could ever have from watching a single episode of it. Yeah. And I think you might sympathise with the situation I was in yesterday, uh, given that uh, we like to point out that you do have an OnlyFans. I had the interesting experience of having a stranger come over to my house yesterday, stick a foreign object in two of my orifices and pay me for the privilege. Can you elaborate on this? <laughs> uh, I had a COVID test yesterday. Oh, I see. <laughs> how, how, did it, how, how, how was your experience? It was unpleasant, but it wasn't as unpleasant as I expected. My throat is still, we're recording this Monday evening, my my throat is still scratchy from when she shoved the cotton bud down there, sort of 36 hours later, but it wasn't as unpleasant as I thought it was going to be. I was fully expecting when she did the nostril ones for her to shove all the way up to my brain, basically. Yeah. It was unpleasant, but it wasn't, it wasn't dreadful. It wasn't like, I'm never, ever, ever having this done again. If anyone else wants to give me money to do it, I'll do it. It just wouldn't be your first choice. Exactly. So previously, 10 reasonably famous Dutch people flew to Czechia in the search for the nearest mole. One by one, Remco, Eric, Florentine, Laxmi, Josh, Mariah, and Launchpad McQuack all went home, leaving the final three of Charlotte, Renee, and Rocky. Last week, Charlotte was revealed as a loser, leaving just Renee and Rocky suspecting each other, and one about to be unmasked as the mole. Also, fun fact, when I was writing out that previously on, I did forget Eric. <laughs> you genuinely forgot Eric? Yep, I had to go back and work out who I was missing and then realised it was Eric. Yeah, he didn't have a big presence on this season. And not only that, I did actually put him in the wrong place in the boot order when typing out that list originally as well. Was he second out or third out? He was second out. I put him I put him after Florentine, because I thought Florentine went home first. Yeah, I thought, I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's second now, but it wouldn't have surprised me if he was third out and was just that invisible in three episodes. No, he was second out, definitely. And the reunion location is the same place as the start video, which you saw a little clip of in this episode. Thankfully, not with the bit that I told you you weren't allowed to watch, because in that start video, it did feature a lot of old moles. So um, they did thankfully just show the bit where it was not actually showing the old moles talking. Is the uh, Vest Fabrique Culture Park. And we do love to do some reunion fashion, so number one question, what the fuck was Launchpad McQuack dressed as? Maybe they're all in cosplay. Maybe they're all anime characters. I was warned on the Bothers Bar Discord that he was dressed in um, in quite a paisley pattern, but I don't think I was prepared for it to be that obnoxious. 
<laughs> oh, I'm looking at the outfit now. I'm not really a fashion guru, but... Neither am I. You've seen me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, neither of us are actually the greatest examples of fashion. While we're recording this, I'm wearing a Pokemon hoodie. <laughs> uh, I mean, at least they're, they're, they're really attempting to razzle-dazzle the audience. Yeah, nothing is ever going to be as good as Jan's finale suit. But, yeah, he had a very interesting pattern on his jacket, and Eric seems to be dressed as a ventriloquist dummy. They're the only two fashion notes I actually have for this reunion. Actually, with Splinter and Lakshmi share the same table, and they both have very similar outfits. Lakshmi's like a leopard print dress. I sound like one of those fashion runway guys. Lakshmi is wearing a leopard print dress, and Splinter is wearing a... An emerald and gold bathrobe? I'll be honest, it was probably deliberate. They probably knew they were going to be um, on the same table and and coordinated at least some time. Are they all seated like that because of COVID? That's uh, just two, two people to a table? I would assume so, yeah. There was that notice that came up saying everyone was tested for COVID beforehand. They probably had the same test I did. But yeah, it was actually quite weird seeing people so close together. I don't know whether we've just kind of become conditioned to going, oh my god, two meters, pick apart. But, but I mean, the tables the tables were quite far between each other. It's just that it's only two, it was just two people to one table. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was a COVID thing. Yeah. As was being in the Vestfabrik Culture Park, because it's, you know, a massive open space. Yeah, I can't believe this is, I can't believe this is already the third reunion where they've had to do arrangements like this. Yeah, because this time last year I was in Texas pretty much about to find out that the proper finale event had been cancelled and um, still flying to uh, to Amsterdam coming up this next weekend. At least, uh, well, fingers crossed, this will not be the setup for the next finale. No. I mean, we're pretty much resigned to the fact that Belgium probably isn't going to have a finale event and even if it does, I don't think either of us are going to be able to travel there now. But, um, yeah, I... I... I just want COVID to be over so we can start enjoying finales again. Somebody was posting online earlier this week saying it's been one year now that you're that you're that restrictions and and strange things started happening. I was thinking for me that started happening at the end of January when I when I went to Asia. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure I've told the story before, but boy oh boy, was was that an experience. <laughs> Well, my birthday last year was the first full day of UK lockdown, so we're actually rapidly approaching that. Yeah, like this is, we're well over, I'm, I feel like I'm well over a year into this. <laughs> Anyways, b- back to Vidim. So we catch up with everyone, we find out who they suspected. Remco suspected Florentine. Florentine broke his own rules and went 100% on Josh. He wrote a card to Renee on the plane home, assuming it was her really. Lakshmi also suspected Josh, he fit into the role perfectly, even though it obviously wasn't him. Rick gives her permission to hit Launchpad McQuack for misleading her on the show. Josh wanted to get to the finale with his alliance, who was, of course, Launchpad McQuack. He looks back on it with a lot of fondness, knew that he was going to win, and felt that he was right straight away. It is all Launchpad McQuack's fault that he did not win. And apparently, he does wake up screaming, cursing the €5,000 bid, and alarming his girlfriend. (laughs) Mariah went home thinking it was Charlotte. Then she started getting confirmation bias. And she was the last person to go home, not suspecting Renee. Because Josh did. Launchpad McQuack wasn't confident about the exemption spin, as he didn't trust Renee, but he doesn't have any regrets because of how great the other three were. Very magnanimous answer. We both know that's nonsense. Charlotte suspected both of the other two, who were with her in the finale. Sometimes politicians ask her in her day job who the mole really was. After episode one, Rocky and Josh were at the top of the official pool, then Charlotte and Mariah, and now it is 65% Renee and 35% Rocky. Who did Eric suspect? We don't know. It was never actually said, I don't think. Which kind of feels quite appropriate. I'm going to guess Josh. Yeah, maybe Josh, maybe Florentine. Something in the back of my mind says he was on Florentine, actually, on his last uh, on his last test. I might be wrong, but... Maybe I'll shoot him a DM on Instagram. He, I, I don't think too many people Instagram him about Vidim in this cast. I'm not sure he knows how he use Instagram. Well, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So I'm going to message him anyway. So, 
both of the final two join Rick in the original hall. He addresses them as finalists and does his actual final, final, final recap of the season. There is a flashback to the very first day when the mole was on the other side of the door. The reveal video continues with the losers leaving the room from the original start video. On the other side of the door, the mole slides the envelope through and takes their money, and we pan up to see that it's Renee. Highlight number one of this finale, or this reunion, is how overdramatic Renee is when she says the phrase, Ick bin de mole. I don't know whether it made you laugh as much as it made me laugh, but she really overemphasizes the words. I don't, I, I remember her saying it, but I, I didn't catch on just how overdramatic it was. If you rewatch just her, her reveal scene, basically, she properly overemphasizes all the words. It's very funny. Mainly the Ick Ben bit. And point number two, did you notice in that reveal video what the ending of the pan up to Renee's face was? It was very subtle, and you could only see it behind her head, but it is actually the um, the thumbnail of the official uh, Mole Actions reveal video, and it is our banner for this episode, because it really made me laugh. No, I didn't see that either. She sticks her tongue out, like she's taunting them. Yeah. <laughs> I've been the mole long. <laughs> you only get 9,000 euros, Rocky. <laughs> I will say, once I saw all the sabotages, I felt better by the end of the finale than I did after watching all of your own sabotages. Yeah, I think I actually have this note to discuss at the end. Renee is not a bad mole. Renee was an obvious mole. And there's at least two or three of the sabotages that we see in that um in that reveal video where I mentioned them in the episode. And I mentioned them as reasons why Renee could be the mole. Not a lot actually got past people in terms of her clues. So it's stuff like in episode one, her statement in the mountain bike tour being identical to the one on the board. I mentioned that in the premiere episode. And I know I mentioned that in the premiere episode because me and Bram were discussing it that week on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was some sabotage. I'm like, yeah, pretty sure Michael mentioned that. I'm not saying this to kind of pat ourselves on the back and go, we were awesome and everything, but it makes me think that Renee is, I would say, probably top half of moles that we've seen between us, but a lot of her clues were a bit too obvious. And it's a, it's going to be an interesting discussion at the end as to kind of what we think of Renee as a mole, because I feel like you have to separate Renee as a mole, who was pretty good, and her own kind of independent thinking because she was a very independent mole in terms of some of her actions you have to separate that from the producer induced ones which were stupid and really annoyed me yeah there were some she adapted your own really couldn't adapt your own is the template for what i believe to be the worst possible mole you could you could hire for the show just your own couldn't adapt he couldn't think on his feet he just stuck to whatever production told him to, and if it didn't work out, he just crumpled up and folded. Renee adapted a couple times here. Hmm. I don't really want this to turn into another another season of episodes of us going, ah, your own was shit, because, you know, we did that at the end of last year. I just want to... Okay, then I'll get that one out of the way then. Yeah, but I feel like Renee actually is probably the... The best mole we've seen in the Dutch seasons since Yam. Yeah, I can, uh, I can probably get on board with that. She was very good at adapting to the situation and taking, taking advantage of other people, basically, which is how you should be as a mole, rather than just letting the season run you like your own did. Yeah, like I just want to bring. We'll make this a make this the only your own reference for the sabotages, but I just want to. Draw the comparison between Euron's laser game and Renee's first laser game, where Renee's eager to sabotage because it's once then once Rick announces, "Oh, it's every per- it's every contestant for themselves. Last person standing gets the exemption," and then she's like, "Okay, now it's time to sabotage. Now I can really make sure money doesn't get added into the pot." And then Josh goes, "Unite, unite." <laughs> And Renee has no choice but to be like, okay, now I gotta switch up the sabotage. So, not hearing the codes properly, making sure she gets money herself and then gets shot. For Euroan, when things weren't going quite his way, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna win all of this money for the pot just so I don't stick out. 
with Renee, she just tried to fill in the cracks during everyone trying to play for the team and still was able to keep some money out of the pot. And also with a bit of help from Rocky, who was who shot her own teammate, and her own teammate's reaction frightened her so much she refused to fess up to the crime of friendly fire. I'm really glad that we actually got the answer to that question. It's one of those questions that I'd completely forgotten that we wanted the answer to, but I'm really glad that Rocky actually fessed up and went, yeah, it was me. Live with it. Imagine if Remco was there for when the 5,000 euros was bid on. I think half the ca- I think the entire team of three would have been killed by Remco himself. Yeah. Because <laughs> in that situation, he would know who did it. So, Renee says that it was a really fun experience to be the mole, but as she was warned, it was very lonely at times. Which I think is something you you hear from a lot of moles, is the fact that it does play on you going, I am the one person basically keeping this season aloft. Without me this show is screwed and that's a heavy burden at times yeah it depends if you're a diva or not if you're a diva it's like this season is nothing without without me all about, <laughs> about me me. Yeah. <laughs> me me i'm julia roberts but uh, if you're not one of those people then yeah you probably feel a bit lonely because it's just it's a lot of pressure on you you gotta perform because because if you don't pull off the sabotages and if you're if you're too obvious or you don't or you don't or you don't pull off the sabotages at all, then you don't really have a season of Vidum, you're Owen. <laughs> so Rocky suspected her from the beginning. She wrote something down about her feelings about everyone after the first episode and said it could be her. After she got a green screen at the train, her reaction wasn't genuine, and Rocky was officially on Renee's tail. She told Charlotte the truth that she suspected Renee, and they made a pact to reach the finale together. And I did say this to you on Facebook when you were watching the episode earlier. Rocky, as much as I really like her as a person, is responsible for this season having a massive downhill section. You mean by by dragging Charlotte to the end? Yeah, by dragging Charlotte to the end, she robbed us of having Josh and Launchpad McQuack in the end. That would have been a very fun final four. And Josh in the gliders would have been very fun. Uh, two, two, D, three. Like, Renee still would have sabotaged a lot on that. But she personally ruined that bit of the season, I would say. Yeah, let's uh, let's just dive. I guess there's no, we don't need any real uh, chronological trajectory here. I want to talk about that, that train thing because... Or the, the bidding war and the train task follow-up because... We do find out that the mole is aware of the three bids because I guess she's called in there last. She's called in there last. Yeah, it was what I predicted at the time was that she would have been the last person to actually go in the room. Rick would have told her exactly what the bids were, and she would have then had to make a decision whether she was outbidding them or not. I like how production and Rick ultimately said it's your choice how you want to play this. Unfortunately, it did did put her in a. It's the reason why she gets discovered. Because she's like, you know what? I'm not going to match or exceed those bids. I'm going to stay in the other group. But then Rocky was already on to her and was watching her reaction when she was supposed to get a red screen. Rocky didn't buy her reaction. And ultimately, Renee playing herself in the vulnerable trio is what got her discovered and gave Rocky the win. This, I would say, is her worst play of the entire season. Because as much as obviously I loathed that twist, we knew they were going to raid the pot in some fashion. I loathed that twist at the time, and I loathe it still now. Mainly because it was really unfair anyway, and more importantly, it lost us the character of the season. But Renee played that badly. All Renee had to do, even if it made her more suspicious, was bid €10 more than they did. And she would have been in control. But more importantly, if she was in the losing group, she should have tried so damn hard to win that challenge. Not just because the 5,000 euros is spent regardless. As a mole, she can dick around as much as she wants with the actual money clock. But the important thing is that the money has gone out the pot regardless. Her job's done, no matter what. So she should have absolutely played that like a contestant, and she should have absolutely tried to win that challenge for her team and dragged Josh and Launchpad McQuack along with her. Because if she's in the losing team, as we know, with two people who suspect the correct person, 
which they did, and get high scores on that test, that is grossly unfair to those people that someone on the other team then gets saved by it and is the only person in the season who didn't know who it was by that point. Mariah got saved by that execution and then by Renee forcing the non-elimination the next episode as well because she was in control of that. She then knew who was going to go home and save Mariah. They didn't actually say that, but I would guarantee that that was the truth. Mariah got saved two separate rounds in a row. And still didn't figure out it was Renee. Yeah. (laughs) And... Going back to Yaron being a terrible mole, he ruined the Elba challenge and screwed it up because the plan was for his team to win and make sure that it wasn't a two-in-three elimination. But that happened. We get almost the same situation here where it's a one-in-two elimination between two people who are convinced of who the mole is and got very high scores on that test. Because in Josh's diary of the loser he said that he went all in on renee on that test very curious what the score was between josh and splinter on that quiz they should have told us that yeah that would have been a big thing be like oh splinter survived by say 10 seconds yeah regardless of who actually went home in that twist it was nonsense if we had a situation like this where only one person out of the six of them didn't know who the mole was and got saved as a result of it For two rounds. Well, for two rounds separately. But arguably, taking out the best character of the season, and I know not everyone agrees with me about this because I did have that discussion on the uh, Bothers Bar Discord yesterday, we were robbed of two more rounds of Josh by Renee just not having the guts, I guess, to overbid them. If she'd have overbid them, she probably at that time... uh, It wouldn't have been the same team. She probably would have... I don't know who she would have saved. She probably would have saved Rocky and Charlotte, I think. So it would have just been Mariah swapped for Renee. But that would have been a lot fairer, because Mariah still would have gone then. As much as I like Mariah as a person, she shouldn't have been saved over Josh here. For two rounds. Because, as I think we did actually speculate at the time with the non-elimination episode, if the mole's in control of that, it's a guaranteed non-elimination. It would have been interesting to know on the final four quiz that sent Splinter, Splinter home what the how what the results were if they all three of them were all in on on Renee two at final four and Rocky didn't even play any yokers does that mean that they all got a 20 out of 20 and Rocky and Charlotte apparently both took their quizzes really fast in the finale so my assumption is at final four Rocky Charlotte and Splinter all got 20 out of 20 and Rocky and Charlotte were faster than Splinter I would assume so yeah because they said something that Rocky was took about... I've never heard of this speed before. Half a second on each qu- of the 40 questions in the finale. It was that she was half a second faster than Charlotte on average on each of the questions. Oh, half a second faster. I thought she was like half a second. Like, how do you read? Just go... <laughs> she beat it by 21 seconds. Half a second on faster on each question is quite a bit over the other person. So I, so I guess... It, in terms of the final four quiz there, that if you if you, get, you use two yokers, you can't you can't get twenty two out of twenty on the quiz. It's just if you get it just converts the wrong answers. So that so that mystery is laid to rest. It's not bonus points. It's a real shame that we didn't find out who would have gone home at the non elimination episode. We know it's Mariah, but it would have been nice to actually have that confirmation. And more importantly, it would have been nice to know the information like that. How much faster was um, was Launchpad McClack than Josh in the train elimination? How much faster was were Rocky and Charlotte than Launchpad McClack at the final four? That's important information that they probably should have given us. And I'm saying this to then set, set up the next thing I'm about to say, which is, unlike previous recent seasons, they actually give us a lot more of the sabotages than they did in previous seasons. We've not had that many sabotages shown to us on the website at least, since probably Yan actually. I don't think Meryl had as many, I don't think Rob had as many, and I don't I certainly don't think Yaron did. That's because they started they dedicated a lot more of the episode to showing the sabotages than usual. Because I, I I was when they started showing the sabotages, I was thinking that's a bit earlier than they normally do. And they're a lot more quick hits and not as much discussion and they really reduce the amount of time shown with the with the hidden clues and I'm really happy we did not see much hidden clue content because after 
you know, watching over 20 seasons of Mall. I'm not I'm not much of the hidden clue hunter, so if people want to look at the official website online and see the hidden clues, I think that's more ideal just because they're so a lot of the times they're so absurd and ridiculous. <laughs> and by people there, Logan of course means me because I did look and I have got them all. <laughs> but I'm I'm like I just want to see the actual footage of all the sabotage. Just include that in the finale. Tell me tell me the quiz results of each quiz and show me all the sabotages. That's that's all I need to see in the finale. <laughs> I think it's more one of the side effects of the fact that they aren't doing it in public because they would cut to the audience a lot more. Yeah, ask random people, oh, who do you think is the mall? Well, I think it's Renee. Well, who do you think is the mall? Oh, I think it's Rocky. Well, stay tuned to find out which one of these two people who you'll never see on TV ever again and whose names you've already forgotten, find out who the mall is. Or you have some English dickhead from four rows back going, it's Nails! <laughs> so, both Charlotte and Rocky got 37 out of 40 on the final test, and Rocky, as we mentioned, was 21 seconds faster. And in the reveal video that we mentioned before, Renee secretly did actually say that she was the mole, which is a very ballsy sabotage to begin the season with. I like it. I like it a lot. If they'd held the envelope of the Yoka card over the candles in their room... In the first challenge, it would have spelt out a flavoring eight. Third song, which was Lady in Red. Kind of an obvious clue in retrospect. I think I did mention in that challenge that we didn't see why there were candles. So I'm giving us a pat on the back for that, for at least alluding to the correct answer. She gave wrong codes and pretended to miss here codes. Boxes M, O, and L contained 250 euros. Renee opened out and waited for Rick's message, but when Josh started Revolution, she started aiming for Launchpad McQuack, but was shooting wrong. She got herself shot to lose the 250 euros, but it was Rocky who shot Remco. Oh, I just want to quick look. Somebody's going to be asking, is this the closest final quiz ever? And I'm just going to jump in here and say, no, Belgian mole, Argentina was as close as you're ever going to get for the mole. <laughs> Not going into it too much, the final two got 30 out of 30, 10 out of 10, and then it came down to speed, I think, in the last in the last round. Yeah, on the, yeah there was 30 out of 30, because the Belgian rules are a bit different. The final quiz doesn't come down to time on the, on the first round. It's, they both got the perfect score, and then it's just in that tiebreaker 10-question round where it came down to time. And I think it was just a few seconds was the difference. Yeah, it was. And it was a handwritten final test, that one as well, in the final 10 questions. Yeah, because it, it was the first season. Yeah, they weren't prepared for it. First season in the revival, I should say. There's going to be somebody out there who says, no, there were seasons in 2001 and 2002, or 2000 or 99 or whatever it was. It was 98, 2000, 2001. Yeah. I'm that person. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, yes, that was the closest one. It was, uh, Although Rocky and Charlotte's final showdown, I'm sure, is within the top three or top four for closest finishes. So in the Blacklight Ballerina Challenge, she took control of communication between the two teams. Inspired by Yan, she repeated the information and then subtly changed it. In the Tatra assignment, she had the disadvantage of Josh being by the window, but he was also taking the pictures, so she managed to get two wrong signs hit. She relied on the power of belief, to dupe Josh. In the lift assignment, she made sure she didn't have any complete lists, which I predicted was probably the mole's tactic. Rocky actually missed her on one of the rounds. She earned the least money of anyone in the lifts. Classic mole tactic, follow the money. And Remco says he's retroactively impressed by her acting skills. <laughs> in the stupid picture Chinese whispers challenge. She wanted to go for the who and the what stations, as that's where the sentences could be sabotaged. She deliberately used words that weren't in the verb boxes to make sure that they weren't correct. I'm giving her zero credit for that challenge because yeah. that challenge was so damn hard. <laughs> yeah, as am I. It's one of the ones where I think producers just did not make a, a fun, sensible challenge for them to do there. They took the location, thought, what can we actually do with this? And then came up with something half-assed. So as much as I like Renee as a mole and as much as I like Renee as a person, eh, not your best sabotage. Uh, she was, as I guessed, told how much the group bid for the knowledge. She went in there intending on bidding high, but didn't want to go any higher than 5000 Rocky says she wasn't here for the money, thankfully, and wanted to continue on at all costs. 
In a brilliant sabotage in the mine museum, she secretly switched clothes in the lockers while Lodge Vad McQuack wasn't looking. She also pretended that a chain didn't raise and brought some of the right pieces down, as I suspected at the time. Yeah, you did point that one. I'm like, yeah, Michael's going to gloat about this on the podcast. I'm not going to gloat about it. It's just, it's infuriating watching this sort of a reveal because I was going, yep, I said that on the podcast. Yep. Said that one on the podcast. Why didn't I go for Renee every single week? <laughs> I was like this close to getting her every week. <laughs> it's basically the Charlie Brown principle. <laughs> That's what frustrates me more than anything. What was more impressed? I will say what was impressed about the clothing one is the fact that Splinter was tunnel busy on Renee and still couldn't keep her in check. Yeah, because we said at the time. You do not leave them all alone. If you suspect it's Renee, you don't let her go in the most important room on her own to just mess around with stuff. Just put a leash around her neck. Like, you change the divisions if you need to and just make sure that nobody is left alone for that exact reason. She cost them 945 euros in that challenge on her own. And that was with having the guy who suspected her the most out of everybody at the time in the same room. Mm. She, as we saw, sang at the Silent Disco Challenge. What we didn't see is how many times she sang, which seemed to have been six. And no one noticed this one. Even the people who were onto her didn't notice it. No, we noticed at least one or two at the time, I think, because there was the Why Tell Me, Why Tell Me, Why Tell Me one was very visible on the screen. I think there was another one that we actually mentioned on the uh, on the podcast. This is basically just turning into a circle joke, I know, but I think there was one other we mentioned at the time where we said maybe Renee sang on that one. As I spotted, she did swap a few pieces of the puzzle that she shouldn't have. Literally every error happened when she was on the puzzle, apart from the one that Charlotte missed. She chose to face Rocky in the wheel challenge, as Rocky would tell her the truth. She used that knowledge of Rocky to make sure that 2,000 euros did not go in the pot. And Rick says that each of Rocky and Charlotte took five good statements, but Rocky opened the mole's envelope, so earned 750 euros of a possible thousand for the final challenge, and 9,675 of 47,300 for the season. And she is donating it to her charity to encourage street football in the developing world. I like that they actually, because I had that question at the end of last week of, are they, didn't Rocky technically take the envelope? He can't just open it and put it back. So I like that they clarified and said, yeah, she took the envelope, she opened it up, and then... Once you do that, the 250 euros is gone. So what's funny is that Rocky, when you think about it, is responsible for why she has so few winnings. Yeah, Rocky personally cost herself 5,250 euros. Charlotte is more responsible than anyone. But Rocky is probably outside of Renee and Charlotte, the person who cost the pot the most money. But oh yeah, in the final, freaking having Renee do all of those athletic things. It's like, if Rocky, if you if you and Charlotte are 100% on Renee, why would you let her do all of those tasks? You're just costing yourself more money. And there was another challenge after the train one. What were the, what were the challenges at Final Four? Final Four was gliders, then... Yes, yes, that's what it was. Okay, don't have Renee touching that board. <laughs> you keep Renee away from that board at all costs. Yeah. You force her into a glider if you need to. Because, worst case scenario, here's what you do to combat the mole in that challenge, because I thought of this when I was watching the reunion. You make sure that your main suspect goes in the glider first, and you make sure that you are the one giving out the instructions on that round. When you move onto the board, you know all the correct instructions, because you memorise them, and you make sure those instructions were actually done. That's the only way to win that challenge. Yeah. So just a few a few things there. Where it's like, Rocky, you know who the mole is, but you're putting her in situations where she can take money away from you, and then you open up that envelope at the end. I did also think that it's very interesting. It's the second season on the trot where the pot has actually gone to charity, because Nikki donated all her winnings as well. Well, because it's... I mean, we don't want to... I mean, $10,000 to nothing, but when you think about how how long these contestants were spent filming the season. Like the, you could, you could essentially say they're working 24 seven for 18 days plus quarantine or whatever else they may have done before and after filming. 
and all the winner walks away with was less than 10,000 euros. <laughs> it's like they probably, and especially because these are people with who get a higher income too, I guarantee you they all lost money filming this season. Oh, probably, but people do it for the fun, I think. Yeah, they still do it for the fun. I mean, it's just like Canadian reality shows or Australian ones where there's a big grand prize, but only the winner gets it, and then second place and onwards gets nothing. With that amount of money they win at the end for the for Vidum, I'm sure it's going to always be donated from now on. If you're lucky, you can win a year's supply of Subway, Saunders. Yeah. Which was actually a genuine prize on Amazing Race Australia last Tuesday, and I think probably would have been the leg prize that you would have wanted to win the most. Actually, a funny thing about that is I haven't had Subway in probably over a month now. It's probably barely open. You don't leave the house. <laughs> Well, I always get, I always, uh, or it's on Skip the Dishes. Well, during the pandemic, it was the one place I walked to was to walk to Subway and back. And then once numbers started going up, I would sometimes order through Skip the Dishes, but not very frequently. And now it's been a month, maybe two months since I've gotten Subway. Yeah. Oh, how times have changed. I know. You're growing as a person. Yeah. So, in episode one, right away, all three assignments contained a clue to the mole's identity. As soon as the mole was mentioned, Mariah said Renee's name. The mole was the first person introduced, and in the mountain bike challenge, only the mole's clue was exactly worded. In episode two's Black Light Ballerina challenge, there were rooms named after characters in a TV show that Renee did. The episode title was Example of Vor Belt, or more accurately, Vor Space Belt, or for pictures. Renee was holding the camera in the tour. In the Hotel Escape Room Challenge, Renee said that she's looking for an honest answer from Charlotte, and Charlotte admits she suspected Renee last time. And Renee asked for an honest answer and got one. That was the clue. In the Sunken Tunnels, the candidates all talked about trust. Renee doesn't have a video, as she can't be trusted. And her going underground, surrounded by old moles in that challenge, was also a clue to her being a mole. Episode 4's title was In Charge or In Control. By having her hold of the ropes in the Quarry Challenge, Renee was literally in control. These are a little bit tenuous, I'll be honest. Episode 5 was count to 3. Renee was the first person to actually get into the room after the bidding challenge and wait for Josh and Launchpad McQuack to make 3. Episode 6 was called Took Away. In the prison, Renee knocked 3 times, a reference to her actions in the very first challenge. She heard her yoga by tucking it away and also tucked away the collected money from the running around challenge, which was apparently visible on camera and we didn't spot that. In Episode 7's Truck Box Challenge, boxes are visible during Rick's introduction, Renee Knox are two of the boxes that are shown, referencing episode one again. Rick also gave a clue in Mariah's execution that the mole was in their midst, or in the middle of them, literally where Renee was sat. The Yoka card itself didn't say V is the mole, it said W minus E is the mole, W minus E in letter terms is R. That is a dreadful clue, because there were three people starting this season whose names began with R, two of whom were in the final two. In the abseiling challenge, she wanted to be with Rocky to try and make sure the money stayed out of the pot because she thought that Rocky would force everyone to keep it. Of course, she didn't bank on Rocky, arranging for them to trust each other. And in the Mind Museum elimination game, she picked up 500 euros for the pot and also pocketed 500 euros that wasn't being declared. And that's it. That's all the notes I have for the episode. Oh, and the trucking challenge when she's partnered with Josh. I really liked how she deflected all of the suspicion onto Josh. I thought that was, uh, I was, I was impressed with that with that sabotage and that she timed it perfectly when to went to screw with him. Yeah. How will you look back on Renee as a mole? Uh, I think I'll I think I'll look back on it fondly. I'm glad they went with a type of person that we don't normally see as a mole and I don't know, it was just because we had to put up with ten weeks of Euroan not so long ago, but I'm just glad that we don't have to think about Euroan anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think Renee was a very good choice as a mole. I think Renee's a very good mole in a vacuum. I think Renee's sabotages were all very good when she thought of them and when she actually executed them. Stuff like the Yoka card being W minus E is the mole, that's a rubbish hint. Especially when you have three people that season with the same letter that it actually relates to. The using the mole to force a non elimination episode never sits well with me. The fact that she didn't really have the guts on the train game to pop her head above the parapet and try and actually win it by just outbidding them by 10 euros or whatever doesn't necessarily sit well with me but a lot of her sabotages were very 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 good 
So I think she's a good mole, not a great mole, and a good mole, but an obvious mole, in hindsight. You don't usually get just us being us talking about three or four of a mole's clues during a season. Yeah. And specifically linking them to that mole as reasons that person could be the mole. That's the exact reason why, skipping ahead slightly, she was in my suspicions for six of the nine weeks. Because there was always something about Renee that it was being pointed to. In fact, I think it was only the first three weeks I didn't put her in, and that was when we had the most suspects. So, yeah, I think Renee's a good mole, but a bit too obvious. They kind of went the other way in terms of palatable mole, unpalatable mole. They had a really unpalatable mole last season because it was your own and nobody likes him. So they went with a palatable mole. She's a great mole. Look back enough fondly. But I think, as I said on the Bothers Bar Discord last night, I think the sweet spot for production is two or three people at most suspecting the mole. This season it was four or five of the final six. Yeah, I mean, it was half the... You could say there was what there's nine regular contestants and four not out of nine of them went straight to cadet on Renee by the by when they were executed yeah on the same test yeah but 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 I do give her credit for going for not being discovered for as long as she was yeah I I don't think we can claim that Renee was a bad mole in the slightest she's certainly not the sort of mole we've seen recently and that is not a negative thing but. They need to try and make it a little bit less obvious. They need to still keep it at that right end of the palatable scale because she's a really satisfying mole. It was really satisfying when she was unveiled as a mole. But we were onto her maybe a little bit too quickly, as was everyone in the season. No, she just didn't end up being our top suspect. <laughs> yeah. I know for a fact that in the Bothers Bar suspect list, Renee was my top suspect in at least one of the mid-season weeks. I think it was week four. Ironically, the last mole that that happened to was Jan, um, who I suspected as my number one in week one, Arg. But I certainly don't think that I should be correctly picking a mole mid-season and then not doing anything about it, but we're ignoring that bit of it. Yeah, the pieces were there. Yeah, the pieces were there, and it's really frustrating looking back at the reunion going, I should have got a week one. I actually was aware of that clue. I'm really annoyed with myself. Yeah. <laughs> It's the perpetual thing every season of Vidum with me where I go, I was onto the right person. Why the fucking hell didn't I trust myself? I thought it was just old people doing old people things. The other question, of course, that we have to ask ourselves is how much credit do we give them for actually doing a season during COVID? I know we kind of touched on, on this during the season itself, but I think it's the sort of thing that's interesting to look back on. Uh, I mean, it did lose a little bit of steam towards the end, but overall... Much, much better than it could have been handled. Much better tasks than what what could have played out. Yeah, definitely in the first half of the season, it felt like a normal season. When they started going a lot more in the middle of nowhere, doing slightly more lackluster challenges, you go, eh. I think numbers went up. <laughs> you can feel the impact of COVID there. And the other question that I know you wanted to bring up last week, but we kind of pushed it to this week, is... Would it still be satisfying if a season ended without a mole being unmasked? I would like to just see it happen once to know what it feels like. I think it's like the Hunters winning and doing a clean sweep on Hunted. I think it's very interesting once. I'm not sure it's very interesting more than once. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, that's a very good analogy. Just have, just have it happen once. Just so we see what it feels like, just that bizarre ending, and we can see how a scenario like that would play out. Would it be somebody who was a really good mole, somebody who just didn't do anything, somebody who tried to be way too obvious and was ruled out for everybody? What kind of circumstances can lead to a mole never being unmasked? Yeah, ideally for production, you want two or three people at most to get the correct mole and go straight ticket on them, make it interesting at Final Four, but then still kind of cut the people who don't know who it is from Final Five onwards. I think you don't necessarily want a mole as we had in Vidum two seasons on trot where only one person suspected them for two tests out of the entire season. I don't think you necessarily want that sort of situation because then at the live finale you go, yeah, you were completely wrong. You're an idiot. And you don't necessarily want that live in front of everyone. Rocky and Charlotte, you both got two out of 40 on the final test. 
uh, Rocky was 21 seconds faster, so she wins. I do wonder how fun it would be at a reunion for Rick to turn around and go, yeah, you lost because you only had one out of 40 carats. You won because you had three out of 40 carats. Yeah. It'd be funny if it was, say, and Belgium or Argentina, where both both competitors tie for zero, zero, zero out of 20, and then they have to do that special tiebreaker quiz, and they're racing to see who can get zero first. Whoever gets zero the fastest wins the game. I wonder in that situation whether they they get told they had zero. No, I think you got to keep them in the dark. Because I'm not sure whether the mole actually did the secondary quiz in uh, in Argentina or not. I think it was just between the two people who were tied. I think that may have made it slightly obvious. So, the final question of the season is, what next? What are we doing next? Belgian Mall? Oh, go on, you've convinced me. Yeah, you were reluctant. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do Belgian Mall, but if you have to really strain my arm and... (laughs) You've twisted my arm. I did have two joke answers written down, which is the fact that Finnish Mole's getting subtitled, and also there is a new sort of hybrid of Vidum and Mafia coming to the Netherlands. A spin-off series? Yeah, featuring someone you've not seen in Vidum yet, and someone you very have seen in Vidum yet, in Sinan Chan. Oh, awesome. Maybe Sinan can come on here and promote it. I may be keeping an eye on that program. Not sure whether it'll be good or not, but I may be keeping an eye on that just because we are very much a Sinan Chan, Sinan fan club on this podcast. But yeah, next up, obviously, the highlight of our year is going to be Belgium Bowl, Germany. It's the absolute pinnacle of everything we do every year. I adore doing it, even though we're probably not going to get subs again. As I said, we are recording this on Monday. On Sunday, they are revealing the cast. It premieres on the 21st of March. There is an orange screen. There was a theory that it might be two groups of 10 people chopping down to 10. I don't think it's going to be now because we actually have the description of the cast reveal episode that's going to be on on Sunday, which is the time has finally come. The long-awaited new season of Demol gets off the starting blocks on Sunday, 21st of March, but Demol likes to provide a portion of excitement and curiosity a little earlier because in this special extra episode, Gilles Van Buhl, Already receives a guest with lots of prior knowledge. Gilles da Costa will present the candidates of Demol 2021 in a world first, and that's not all because the three finalists of the previous season, Bart, Yolene, and Molalina, shine their light on the new batch. Because who are these ten candidates who embark on this crazy adventure? What do we need to know about these five men and five women? What can Gilles already reveal about them? And above all, who will Flanders crown the most suspicious candidate after this first meeting? They're going all in on the. They're going all in on the press for this season. They really are. That was obviously translated. I'm not going to attempt to do the Flemish, but yeah, they are doing their cast reveal special on Sunday. They usually do the special episode of Café de Mol to reveal the the cast, but they are doing it again. And this time next week, we'll actually know. But obviously, there's no podcast now until De Mol Belgique Germany begins, which of course will be. Thursday evenings for us, 9pm GMT slash BST, because clocks go forward after the first episode, so that's going to be very confusing. But yeah, 9pm UK time, on a Thursday evening. Logan and I will be back. More importantly, the premiere episode better be good, because it's technically my birthday episode. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) It's my birthday, so I want a really good episode, Chels. Yeah, all I ask, Papa Virgil Costa, is that you make the premiere good, because, you know, it is kind of going to be my birthday episode. And by kind of, I mean very much, because it's the day before we release. <laughs> On the subjects of birthdays as well, by the time this comes out, um, it will be his birthday. Happy birthday, Bindles. Hope it's a good one. May all your dreams come true. So to wrap up the season, let's do some congratulating. Congrats to me, obviously, for getting Renee in my suspicions list for six weeks on the trot. Not to Logan, because he got her once. Michelle won the pool, but we knew that already. And in the first suspicions list... Two people won. It was Carl and Kim who had Renee as number one. Did anybody get numbers one through nine or numbers one through ten on their first suspicions? I thought somebody was really close. Somebody was really close, but then Charlotte got taken out, I think. I haven't got those stats to to hand, I'll be honest. I've just got who, who suspected it was number one. Well, one of them had to win. Did somebody submit first by 21 seconds? <laughs> 
obviously the first suspicions list will return in uh, in Belgium as well. We will be doing that because it's, as I said on uh, on Twitter a few days ago, one of my absolute highlights of the season. I love doing it because I love stats, and it's hilarious to me when I'm so wrong. Um, Carl was the first to submit Rene as, as number one. Oh, so he, he gets the W. Well, Carl and Kim won because, you know, I'm nice like that. You might not be, but I am. Mole never has co-winners. It does in this case. <laughs> so have you got anything else you want to say before we finish up this season? No, I'm just glad to have the taste of renaissance out of my mouth. It feels like we had a real season, even during the pandemic. I'm talking to you, Amazing Race Australia, and we're onwards to Belgian Mall. Basically, what Logan is saying is we're swapping the renaissance for the renaissance. It really is a renaissance. And I know we made that joke in the first episode, but I don't care because it's a great pun and I'm going to reuse it. It's come full circle, as Renee would say. It really has. So, thank you for listening to our Viesta Mall 2021 recaps all season. We'll be back in just two weeks' time to begin unmasking the Belgian Mall in Germany. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us at contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter, at logsuperquacky, and I'm OJ Harmstone. Thank you, as always, to Marika for the subtitles. We will see you on March 25th to return to Papa Bear's weird and wonderful world for the Mall Belgium Season 9. On the Marika subject as well, I am going to put the link if you want to donate to Marika for her brilliant effort for the subtitles this season in the episode post everywhere. See you in a couple of weeks. Peace out and just chill until the Flanders of flavoring. <laughs> until the next season. Until the next season. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Ik ben de mole.